0: Good morning. Anytime I hear someone say, well, to tell the truth, and then they go on to describe what it is, or they say honestly, and then they finish it, I kind of wonder if everything they've been saying maybe isn't the truth. And I'm not saying that every conversation is a lie, but... I guess it would be like asking a parent, which is pretty appropriate. You know, hey, a, new, a newborn is there, and how is, how's parenting? Do you enjoy being a parent? Well, to be honest, you know, if we were really telling the truth, um, like I said, not everybody's dishonest and everything. I just wonder if some conversations aren't completely truthful. I struggle with this because I want honest conversations. It's a part of my personality. I just, I love having them, I, I just want to be frank with people and them to be frank with me and... And we love each other, and it, and everything's good. But I've grown to fear it because, as a pastor in my previous church, um, it seems that my frank and honest conversations <laughs> would sometimes blow up, um, and and things would not be it would not end well. And so I'm a little gun shy because it, it happened over years that this would happen, and bombs kept going off. And I don't like bombs. I just want to have a conversation. You know, can't we all just get along? I fear people's negative reactions. I fear that I might hurt the other person's feelings. I fear that I might be misunderstood, but sometimes I'm even afraid of really opening up with even some of my closest friends, because if I'm really truthful, if I'm really honest about me or what I'm struggling with or what I'm dealing with or what I've done or whatever, I'm wondering if they'll respect me, even my closest friends, or if they'll even like me anymore. I won't take a show of hands of those who maybe have been in the same situation if people really knew us. We've all been confronted with situations where the truth is sitting right there in front of you like an elephant in the room and you know that somebody needs to hear something, but what you have to say, even though it's truth, it's not politically correct. Or you know it might sting a little bit for that person that's going to hear it And so then we pause and we think, do we have the honest conversation and go for it? Or do we avoid it? Or do we misdirect? That's always a good option too. Like the question many guys have heard before, does this make me look fat? (laughs) We are getting late, honey, and those earrings are popping tonight. So let's go. Because we really don't want to have that honest conversation. Kids ask their parents, do you like it, Dad? After they've drawn some hideous finger painting picture and you don't even know what it is and it's just terrible and you just go, wow, it's really colorful. It's, it, it's color- good, strong work, strong work, child. I know, Dad, but do you like it? Well, you drew it, so of course I like it. Sometimes honest conversations are difficult The policeman comes up and says, do you know how fast you were going? I don't really want to tell you that. How fast did you think I was going? You know? We all get to that place where we're confronted with having an honest conversation. Here's what we do know about conversations. Honest conversations. It's your sermon in a sentence. It's on the screen. Honest conversations are never easy, always involve risk, and require boldness and faith. Honest conversations with people are never easy, always involve risk, and require boldness and faith. Now on a light note, when we think about this sort of thing in an honest conversation, it it, it could be like... Somebody tells me my zipper is down, or my button is unbuttoned, or I got a booger in my nose or something, and, and so then they tell you, and, and, and it stings a little bit. I mean, you don't want to hear it, but I'd rather have an honest conversation now than be walking around for hours display, displaying some sort of crispy mass under my nose that everybody else would get to enjoy. Think about it. We met before first service back here in this room and for prayer, and just to kind of go over the service, and the, Pastor Scott's there, and all the other people are doing their thing in the worship team. If I had a great big booger hanging from my nose and I didn't catch it and they didn't tell me, I'd be standing here right now and it'd be quite embarrassing and it would be online. I would rather somebody be honest with me and tell me, like any time now that I'm eating with someone and they got food on their face, I just go, you know, because otherwise everybody's going to look at you and look at that green thing, you know, whatever vegetable you have on your cheek, just wipe it. Are you with me on this? Yeah, it's very uncomfortable. So we've got to have these honest conversations. And it goes deeper than a booger, for sure. <laughs> when, we, when we begin messing up our lives and somebody confronts us with the mess that we're making, or we begin spending foolishly, and people will, will confront us on that in love, but to have a very honest conversation, then it, it gets real. And it gets pretty serious. And they could be wrong, but we still have to consider it. And ultimately, that's why I think a lot of people just avoid honest conversations is because it's just too risky and they don't want to take the risk. Nowhere is that more evident than having whether to have an honest conversation with God or not. And I recognize that for many of you, this is going to be review. But here's the thing. I believe for every single one of us, what I'm going to say is applicable for people that you know. A handful of you here today, but for people that you know, this is going to be a great review. You might consider writing it down, but but you certainly don't have to. I believe one of the biggest um, things that happen is people get confused about what a conversation with God is like. And it's just prayer. We think about that and it's just talking to God. Or listening. We listen to God. We listen through the Word and He speaks to us. Or we can listen in prayer and meditation or the Holy Spirit speaking to us. But I think one of the biggest reasons that people don't have an honest conversation with God, whether they're Christians or not, is because they know that what, how he'll probably respond or lead us is going to take us to places that we've never been and places that we're uncomfortable with. And so we pause and say, do I really want to have an honest conversation with God? Because I don't think I'm going to like what he has to say back. So we avoid it. I want to give you four simple steps to having an honest conversation with God. This is what you might consider writing down. Number one is to realize our sin. Realize our sin. Some people don't think that they're sinners, but the Bible makes it painfully clear clear that everyone is a sinner. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's not a politically correct word. Some people think it's archaic or that it's not relevant, but nothing could be further from the truth. It's the it's this concept of sin that's foundational to Christianity. It's, a, it's the reason we need Jesus. It's all about sin. It's the whole point. Isaiah 59, 2 says, But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sin, it's just another word for sin. Your sin has separated you from God. And that's a big deal. That is a huge deal, is to be separated from God. Jesus says, uh I'm preparing a place for you in heaven, but there's no sin there. John 14.1 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. So it's sin that keeps us out of the kingdom of heaven. It's sin that keeps us out of this place that Jesus is preparing for us. It's sin that separates us from God. Sin isn't always some big, giant, horrible blunder either. It's anything that we do that goes against God. And the whole idea of Christianity is irrelevant if people don't realize their separation from God because of their sin. We've got to recognize our sin. the first step of having an honest conversation with God. The second is right behind that. That's to understand our destiny, we have to understand our destiny and having a conversation with God, because when people die, they're going to go to either heaven or hell. There's just, just those two places. Now, I understand that there are some faiths out there and, and religions or whatever, that believe there's like maybe a middle place and we can pray people out of that, whatever. We're not going to go there for the sake of this message. We're going to say that people are on their way to heaven or hell at death. They're on their way to one of those two places. Uh, We just don't have the time to describe the different views of a literal heaven and hell and all those different things. So if God's kingdom is in heaven, wherever that is, and that's where God is, and that's where heaven is, and that's where his kingdom is, and that's where we all want to go, and that's what Jesus died for, and that's where he's preparing a place for, but it is sin that has separated us from God, and there's no sin there. And we're here on this earth with sin in our life, Let's just, just play along. We're just, just, just go with these facts. Forget everything else you know up to this point. Not everything, but forget everything about Christianity and that sort of stuff. This scenario, God's kingdom is in heaven. There's no sin there. We're separated from God because of our sin. We're here on this earth with sin in our life. And a bomb was to go off right now in this room and we all died. Where would we go? Heaven or hell? Okay, let's do the scenario again. Follow along. <laughs> God's kingdom is in heaven. Now forget everything you've learned about Christianity, just this scenario. God's kingdom is in heaven where there's no sin. You're here on this earth with sin. We are separated from God because of sin. Under that scenario, if we all died right now, where would we go? Hell, it'd be, because there's no sin there and we have sin and we're separated, so that's bad news. So people do things so they don't go to hell. And just put on your your pre-Christian hat here for just a second. What are some of the things that people do so they don't go to hell? Shout them out. Good deeds. Read the Bible. Thanks, honey. I heard that. That's my wife. That wasn't just some girl. Hey, honey, appreciate it, baby. It was was my wife. She's here. So that's two things. What else do we do? Repent. Okay, we'll hold on to that one go to church, give money to charity or to, to church. or don't, to... Listen to bad music. don't listen to country music? No bad. Oh, bad music. Bad music. We, yeah, we, so, so he didn't say country music. I just threw it in. Sorry. So we do things. We pray. We live a good life. Do good deeds. Moral life. We, we read the word. We do different things because we don't want to go to hell. And that's, these are all really good things. But the Bible says in Hebrews 9.22, this is key, listen, listen to this, this is, this is an important verse, One probably the second most important verse of the Bible, in my opinion. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Let that sink in. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Sin is our only problem with God. We can't get it, rid of it unless they're shedding of blood. So let's go back and list all those things that we just talked about. Going to church, giving money, good moral life, getting baptized. Any of those things, we list them all. How many of those shed blood for your sin? Goose egg. Who's the only one that ever shed blood for your sin? Jesus. It's just so important to understand that. All of When it comes to going to heaven, when it comes for, from us as sinners going to heaven where there's no sin, as it relates to that, all that we do is useless. All those good deeds are useless. All the money we could give, all the praying and reading and everything else, useless as far as getting you to heaven. It's important to understand that because it's not about us. It's about Jesus. We have to understand our destiny without him, which leads us to the third step, which is to choose the savior. Jesus is the only one to shed that blood for your sin. And that's why he said in John fourteen six, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. No human being, man, woman, boy, or girl is ever going to get to the kingdom of heaven, is ever going to be reunited with God except through Jesus. Because he died on a cross and shed his blood for your sin to wash away that sin, to forgive that sin and put us back in a relationship with God. It's the definitive difference between Christianity and all other religions. (laughs) I, I guess it's not that they're all wrong. It's just this is right. This is the God of the universe that everybody's trying to seek and he sent his one and only son and he provided this way for us to get back into a relationship with him. Almost every religion has some sort of supreme being or deity that they're all trying to appease or get in good graces with. That's the majority of religions. And this was insane. You don't need to do all that stuff to be in good graces with him. You just got to choose your son, his one and only son, that gave his life for you and gave his life for me. That's, that's the awesomeness of Christianity. All those other things are important, but what we deserve because of our sin is separation and death. But it was Jesus who was sinless and a virgin born. He was 100% God and 100% human, which is impossible, and that's why it's awesome. He took our place on the cross. He shed his blood for our sins. Jesus did all of that for us. He reconciled us back to God. He put us back into a relationship. Reconciled is like a checkbook. And when you try to reconcile your bank statement with the bank's statement and they match with your register in the banks, then you're like, yay, I reconciled the checkbook. I put it back in a right relationship with reality, because with what, the, the, what the bank says is what goes. And you try to match that. And so God reconciled us, put us back into a matched fellowship with God Almighty through Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Listen up. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, in Jesus, not counting people's sins against them because the blood covered it. And he has committed to us as believers the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's what? Ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. He's using us to do his work. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him, speaking of Jesus, made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him, in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. You are righteous. You are righteous, perfect, holy, if you're in Christ. You may not act like it. You may not feel like it. You may have done some things last night or on the way here or even doing them right now. No, 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 bad stuff. But if you're a Christian and you're saved by grace, if you're saved by the blood of Christ, you stand in a state of righteousness Because of Jesus, not because of you, not because of what you've done, not because of what you've not done, you're not good enough to get in heaven. Sorry to bust your bubble there. You'll never be good enough to get into heaven, because all it takes is one sin to keep us out. One sin, just that one time you messed up this morning. One sin keeps you out of heaven. But because of our faith and trust in Jesus, it's his blood that forgives all those sins and puts us back in a relationship with God. Not your good works, not your good deeds, not your eloquent Bible study, not your education, not your smarts, not the service that you do in helping people in need. All of that's important, but it doesn't get you in a right relationship with God. Nothing can except Christ. Jesus was once thought of as a nobody. He was despised because of the cross and what happened there. But now he provides us that reconciliation, reconciling back into relationship with God. He doesn't count our sins against us. It's paid for. It's taken care of, forgiven, washed over. And our job is to share it so that others can know about that and be reconciled as well, which leads us to our final step of having an honest conversation with God, and that's to respond in baptism. Baptism is quite simple and yet extremely profound. It's simply the old you going under the water and the new you coming up out of the water. Paul says in Romans 10, you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. But that's just a a portion of declaring your belief. So having an honest conversation with God is summarized like this. An honest conversation with God involves a definitive realization of sin. No matter how... in. Politically incorrect that is. A definitive realization of sin and a response of baptism. But why baptism? Because Jesus set the example. Told us to do it. He didn't need to be. He he had no sin. He didn't need to be baptized. But he set the example and said this is what needs to happen. That's good enough for me. John 3.13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him. John the Baptist saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. First Peter 3.21 And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. Baptism doesn't wash away sins. What washes away sin? Blood. The blood. The blood of Jesus. There's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. Water's just wa- baptism water is just water. And it might be chlorinated. It might even be heated if you're lucky. But it's just water. But what it symbolizes is the blood of Christ washing away your sin. That's this amazing symbol, this amazing visual. And in turn, you get this clear conscience towards God because you've done what's right. You've been obedient. Not to mention Jesus' last words in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. That is the point, by by the way. If you're a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, 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 if you wear the name of Christ, your job is to make disciples. Want to know the will of God? Make disciples. You want to know what your purpose in life is? Make disciples. Basically, any question you ask me, the answer is make disciples. I'm really struggling with you know, understanding the predestination and the Levitical dietary code of the Old Testament. Make disciples. Make disciples. If you figure any of that out, that's fantastic, but make disciples. That's your job. How do you do that? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And number two, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The point, make disciples. How? Baptize them, teach them. Baptize them, teach them. Discipleship starts with baptism. Discipleship starts with evangelism. Discipleship is not about you learning a whole bunch and being super smart and being able to answer everybody's questions. That's not it. Discipleship isn't you getting along, with, getting along with somebody of the same gender and studying the Bible for a year and a half and meeting every week and spending two or three hours together and digging into the Word. That's not necessarily discipleship. That's a lot of teaching, but your teaching has to involve evangelism. If you really want to be a disciple who makes disciples, it is people that are continually replicating the point of baptizing and teaching. Make disciples. It is the point. There's too many new believers and old believers, for that matter, that are misinformed or underinformed about how important the Great Commission is and how important baptism is. It's a simple way to show that the old is gone and the new has come. It's tangibly putting that into place. It's a lot like putting on the jersey of a team. I'm going to attempt to do that right now. And yes, it's the Sacramento Kings. I apologize to some of you for that. And so we put on the jersey. Have you noticed that um, there are a lot of players these days that aren't playing? They don't have the jersey on. They're sitting behind the bench in a suit. And their teams out there playing, but they don't have their jersey on. And sometimes they're hurt, and I get that. It's still a bummer. But sometimes now they've been resting who on the Sacramento Kings needs to rest? What we need to do is win. <laughs> you don't need to rest. You make too much money to rest. Am I right? You make way too much money to be resting. Now, I get it. You get older and all that. My son and I went, uh, was it a year or two ago, to see LeBron James, Cleveland Cavaliers? I think it was a couple years ago. And and he was resting when he showed up here at, at whatever the name of the arena was at that time, Sleep Train, I think. He's resting. And we were like, we. This, we picked this game. This was our number one game to pick on our, our season tickets. This is the number one game, and we get there to see LeBron, even though we hate what he did to us because he would just crush us, but he was amazing to watch, kind of like Kobe. I don't like Kobe, but he was amazing. There's no question. We wanted to see LeBron, but he's sitting back resting, so he didn't even have he had a suit on. That's a bummer. you got to put the jersey on and be out there playing. we got to be out there playing. So when we wear the jersey of Christ and we get baptized, we declare that we're on the team. It's public. We're not ashamed. Not to mention we know that in Christianity we win the game. We'll have some battles along the way, but we're going to win. The jersey shows that we're reconciled, that we're reconciled, matched in fellowship with God. And the, the jersey displays that we're ambassadors for the team. Listen, listen, this is what bringing the Scripture back. It's like God is making the calls through us. It's like God is playing the game through us. That's cool, man. What an awesome responsibility. What an awesome privilege to be a player for God. Not a player, a player of a team for God. Is it time for some of you to put on the jersey? You know, we're examples for others we're out there sharing our team with others we're not to be silent we we need to seal the deal with god i'm not saying you're not a christian if you're not baptized i'm not i'm saying cuz some of you you'll go too far with this i too far with the scripture and you'll go well is it possible that i can be a christian and not get baptized is it possible for me to be married and not have a conversation with my spouse i guess it could be possible what kind of marriage would that be? Some of you guys are going, quiet. <laughs> <laughs> There's no reason to wait. Is there? I mean, what could possibly keep you from putting on the jersey? Well, why would you want to? Well, it might be a little embarrassing. You, your makeup will run. Don't wear makeup that day. You know what I mean? Just... Like, my hair will get wet, and I'm embarrassed to publicly. Really? Jesus went to the cross for us, said this is what we need to do. He set the example. Why wouldn't we just respond in the same way? I hope you'll make that declaration today. And in your programs, there's a Connect card. You call them Connect cards, right? I think it's Connect card. Anyway, there's this sheet of paper that's in your programs. And on the front there where it says Adventure Christian Church, um, you actually flip it to the back, and it says Next step and I said yes to Jesus today for the first time, or I rededicated my life, number three right there in the middle is I want to be baptized. You might put jersey next to that. I hope that if you haven't done that yet, and, and, and even if you're, you're a been a Christian for a long time, but you haven't put on the jersey, man, I, I encourage you to do that. And, and not because not you're joining some church. It's not about joining the church. I'm sure you're welcome to do that. Scott would love to have you, but it's not about that. It's about joining the team. Right? And the team is gigantic. There's a lot of players on the team. And if you don't, uh, that's, your, that's your call. I'm just, all I can do is give you scripture, and, ha- and, and I hope that you'll obey it. Because sometimes we, you know, we want to grow, and we want to be more like Christ, and I want to be closer to God, and I want God to speak to me. Well, for some of you, I'm certain for a handful of you right now, God has spoken, and you're not wanting to listen. You're not wanting to have that honest conversation with God because He's taking you to places that are uncomfortable and you don't never been before or you don't want to go. And that's why we avoid them. Don't avoid an honest conversation. For those of you who uh, have worn the jersey, um, you realize that we're two weeks away from Easter and that Easter is one of the, if not the greatest, time for people to accept an invitation to church. And so this would be an incredible two weeks for you to go out there and invite, invite, invite. It's just an invitation. It's a no-pressure sort of thing. But I, I can almost assure you there's people that are waiting for your invitation, and they would take it if you would just ask. And when they come here and join you on a Sunday morning, on Easter Sunday, there's an amazing electricity. There's an amazing vibe. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, a spirit of God just, man, it is um, it is truly amazing. And so get out there and invite others. Represent, right? Get get your jersey on and just sh- share with others. Because... because I want to challenge you to have an honest conversation with some of your friends by this invite so that they will have an honest conversation with God for the very first time. And it involves realizing their sin, understanding their destiny, choosing the Savior, and responding in baptism. I hope that's the case for many of your friends in the next couple of weeks. Let's pray. God, help us to have enough faith and boldness to have an honest conversation with you. No matter where you take us, no matter how uncomfortable it is, may we be obedient, have the conversation, get it out there, and begin living out our faith in new and unique ways, challenging ways, growth-oriented ways. May we be true disciples who make disciples. That's the whole point. That's it. And if there's a a handful of people here this morning that have never put on the jersey. They've never chosen you. They've never been baptized. I pray that today they would do that. And for maybe quite a few people, they have followed you for a lot of years. They love you. the, The fruit of the spirit is evident in their lives, but they still don't have the jersey on. I don't know whether it's like the NBA player that's resting. Why? Put the jersey on and get out there. It's not about a church. It's about the church and identifying with that and identifying with what Jesus did as an example when he died on the cross and was buried in a tomb and he rose the third day. May we identify with that visual through the waters of baptism. and all things, God, may we, may we be obedient to you and love you with all of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.